Hello, my name is Haley Justino, and welcome to the very first episode of The Witching Hour. This episode concerns matters of the astrological. Before my co-host Olivia Barber and I get into a live recording of a discussion we had about how to read astrological charts and then examine our own, first let's go over a brief summary of Western astrology. The birth of what we know as modern Western astrology is generally credited to the Babylonians, with the first organized system of astrology being dated back during the 6th or early 5th century BC in Babylon. According to the Greek astronomer Ptolemy, systematic observations by Babylonian astronomers began in the first year of the reign of King Nabansar of Babylon in 747 BC. This statement is confirmed by the excavation of Babylonian texts, some of which contain recorded astronomical observations of eclipses going back to the early years of the king's reign. They were the first to divide the heavens into 12 distinct constellations. However, the zodiac symbols we are so common with today were not used. Babylon was then conquered by Cyrus the Great, a Persian emperor, in 532 BC and then conquered again by Alexander the Great during his historic campaign. The subsequent Hellenization of these conquered areas was on the brink of erasing the ancient knowledge and teachings forever. Thankfully, just before the collapse of the old civilizations, influential astrologers traveled west and began to spread their knowledge to the Greek and Roman worlds. The most prominent example of this was the teacher and priest Berosus, who in approximately 280 BC emigrated to the Greek island of Kos, where he ended up founding an astrological school and thus transferring Babylonian culture to the local populations. The Greeks plugged their own constellations and mythologies into the framework created by their predecessors and thus the modern zodiac and astrology we know today was born. Soon, astrological symbols began appearing all over Greece and Greece-controlled Egypt. The earliest Greek texts using the Babylonian method of dividing the sky into 12 different signs can be traced to 190 BC. Furthermore, the first known depictions of the classical zodiac can be found on the ceiling of a chapel dedicated to Osiris in the Hathor Temple in Deandra, Egypt, containing images of Taurus and the Libra symbol dating 50 BC. Greek mathematician, astrologer, and astronomer Ptolemy is largely credited with the development of Western horoscopic astrology as we know it. His book Tetra Biblos laid the foundations of the Western astrological tradition. Within this text, the planets, houses, signs of the zodiac, and methods for interpreting a person's individual horoscope were first explained in great detail, and Ptolemy's teachings are still largely what we use for modern astrology today. Welcome to The Witching Hour. Hi, everyone. (laughs) So glad you could join us. A little bit about what we're trying to do. Inform the public. Inform the public about... Public service announcements. Astrology. (laughs) And like I was just saying, inform the public, but also inform me, because I have always really liked astrology, but I don't know what houses mean. I don't know (laughs) where my planets are. I don't know what ascendants and moon signs are so i'm really interested to learn all about this right now hopefully if this first show goes well we will be back at it with more of them about fun and different things about all things weird and spooky and witchy i found a pagan society i know of northern colorado no i know they had like a festival just like a couple weeks ago it was like pagan pride day and i was like hey but i was working i kind (laughs) of wanted to go but 
They're so nice on their website. I know. We should invite some of them. I, I think that's a great idea. Party with the pagans. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, as I'm sure all of you are dying with astrology <laughs> questions, there's a couple basic facts we should establish. First of all, there is no 13th sign. NASA has no control. They do not get to change astrology. Oh, yeah. Weren't they, like, trying to change it? I saw something on the internet about that. And like we were just talking about, okay, what we're going to be talking about here is Western astrology, Mm -hmm. primarily practiced in what's considered to be Western countries, which, yeah. Chinese zodiac, unfortunately, though I also find that very interesting. And maybe we'll do a whole other episode about that, even, because I would love to learn more about that. Maybe we'll bring someone in, but not about the Chinese zodiac. So no year of the tiger. I'm a year of the boar. Are you really? Yeah. I I love year of the tiger. I remember learning it off of the Kung Fu Panda one (laughs) special edition DVD. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. I've never related to anything more in my life. I am a tiger. Okay. So Chinese Zodiac. But that has no bearing on this whatsoever. (laughs) So what we're practicing, it's Western astrology. And it, it focuses on what's called natal astrology, what the placements of the planets were when you were born and how those placements help you understand your personality. It's really different than a horoscope, which is something, you know, that's what you see on the day-to-day printed in newspapers and magazines. Mm-hmm. That's more talking about how the planets affect your day-to-day life. And we're not going to be talking about that or the veracity of it. We're just talking about plain old Western natal astrology. Okay. So your placements are where the planets were in relation to the sun when you were born. Mm-hmm. And the sky, like our view of the sun... It, and how it tracks around the sky. So that is divided into 12 equal regions, and that determines what your planets fall into. It's all about how the planets rotate around the sun. That determines everything. So when you were born, the planets were in a very specific place, mm-hmm. and it does matter. It has to be where you're born, the exact time, because everything changes. And obviously, somebody born in Arizona, the sun's not going to be in the exact same place as if they were born in Greenland. Mm-hmm. It's just, it doesn't work that way. And keep in mind, too, like we talked about, like, it's based on Babylonian constellations. So these... The, the constellations are no longer in these places. The Earth's axis moves, so the signs are no longer exactly lined up with those constellations. They serve more as symbols now, okay. and astrologers use them as symbolic interpretations as opposed to being like, ah, this is the constellation, this is exactly where... And before anybody like gets excited, because they're like a bunch of NASA nerds, mm. we're not talking about like dwarf star in like system 39 or something. Mm. There's a very specific set of planets that we're talking about here. And the planets that we are going to focus on today and what most modern astrologers and when you're beginning will tell you to focus on, it's Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Because Pluto counts. Pluto does. It does. Astrology is such a nice (laughs) pseudoscience because Pluto counts for something. We're not going to just kick Pluto out for no reason. (laughs) And so we're going to kind of walk you through how to calculate your own birth chart and interpret that. There's plenty of really easy websites you can find online. Just Google birth birth chart. chart. (laughs) Yeah. And there's um, great ones. And how much you guys want to like go into this, it's yours. I'm going to tell you about the three main ways. But keep in mind, we are only scratching the surface. This is meant to be an introductory thing. So if you can't find what we're talking about on your chart, don't panic. (laughs) You probably need to use another website or fiddle with the settings. And again, if this is causing you stress, then we're doing it wrong. (laughs) What you really, really need, though, and you cannot approximate these things, birth time. 
Birth time is so important. Okay. It, even like a five minute difference can like affect your entire chart. Then I hope my mom told me the exact time because she know, was just like she, 6 p.m. And I was like, okay, mom. If she didn't, I'm going to be so sad <laughs> because it's like so hard because uh-huh. then everybody like wants. It's like that thing where it's like confirmation bias. Like you want to hear something that seems true to you. Yeah. But it's not right. We'll see. I, you know, everything I've ever really read, ex- like I'm not going to say everything, but like 95% of the things I've read about just my sun sign have been pretty much accurate so i'm i feel like astrology at least in my perceptions is usually on point for me so i'm excited to see more stuff even yeah. if i find out later that i was born at like 6:10 and not 6:05 that's okay <laughs> for this episode i'm good with it yeah so you're going to need birth date obviously yeah um, <laughs> birth time and then place that you were born usually you can just say a city if you mm-hmm. for some reason have the exact gps coordinates of where you were born <laughs> even better you can actually use that like that's a thing but if you don't have that information you're only gonna thing you're gonna accurately get is your sun sign out Mm -hmm. of this so when you get this chart there's gonna be the three important parts to it it's gonna come up i just showed it to Haley. it's this really it's this weird wheel Mm -hmm. with all these lines through it and there's all these other colored lines like running through it and she was like ah that looks scary and i'm like it's okay don't worry you know what it means (laughs) yeah tell me what it means the wheel is for like og pros like i just i just look at the placements that are on the wheel Mm -hmm. but there are really three important parts of it uh the signs the houses and the aspects okay the central part where all the colored lines were are the aspects this is kind of how planets relate to each other within your chart okay the next layer of the wheel divides the chart into the 12 houses Mm -hmm. which govern over something else and then the very outermost wheel is it's divided into a different 12 sections oh good yes Uh, which is divided into the 12 signs and as i'm sure you're all familiar with there are 12 signs aries taurus gemini cancer leo virgo libra scorpio sagittarius capricorn aquarius pisces yeah the most basic and those are the correct pronunciations (laughs) as well pieces is not a thing people call it pieces yes really i've never heard that before i I mean the worst thing is when people call sagittarius is sages yeah that's true sagittarius is caps caps that lieb life man <laughs> the leaves did you just call yourself a leave the leaves i like that so much <laughs> them leaves though <laughs> and what are you again you're a i'm an aries, aries? okay I'm, a, I'm like a mega aries we'll get to my chart no, y'all yeah. will see y'all will see i'm like the biggest fire sign i'm basically just a walking garbage fire <laughs> In turn, then that is the exact astrology term, JK, but... That's funny. <laughs> okay. So then we get into the elements, which is a perfect transition into... <laughs> yeah. So these these 12 signs that you're mostly familiar with, we divide them in two ways by what's called element and modality. So yes, element, think avatar, fire, earth, water, air. There's no spirit element. I shouldn't have said avatar. Bad comparison. Uh, you know, it's close enough. It's close enough. Yeah. And then what's called modality. And when I say modality, just think of a compass. Think of how directions. That's basically what modality means. So keep that in mind. We'll talk about it a little more in a bit. But first, I want to divide the elements. I'm sure you've all heard. I'm a fire sign. Haley here is an air sign. And it's actually a lot easier than it seems. Like, however you perceive that element is basically how the people would be. So fire signs, I just compiled keywords because I found that's kind of 
the easiest way to communicate what they're about. Mm -hmm. So like loud, hot-blooded, passionate. They quote-unquote light up a room. Mm -hmm. They're the center of attention. They're very active, restless, easily riled up. It's like a stereotype of fire signs that they're all giant balls of anger who get over it in 10 seconds after they've caused maximum chaos. (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend who's, um, who's a Leo. You and her are actually very similar in the fact that you're just like aggressive. I I, I deal with it. You I know think. what it is? What? It's because she's a fire sign. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> and, like sometimes that puts people off and I'm sure you deal with that a lot in your life. You know, I find it, I don't know, interesting, maybe in contrast with how like flowy and breezy I am just to have someone who's so intense. I really get along with her really well. And I don't know, she is very intense, very direct and mm-hmm. to the point and blunt. And That's, I know. Like the, that is a fire sign. <laughs> yeah. That's actually one of the reasons I like got into astrology. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can cut this in at a different part. Yeah. You know, I was an angsty teenager yeah. and all of the people around me were like getting into an astrology. And I was like, okay, I'm going through an existential crisis every day. Let's just keep reading this. And I did. And like the more you get into it, more mm-hmm. you like get out of the topical stuff, like just your sun sign and you like really want to understand it. Mm-hmm. It is so helpful. Like yeah. my mom and I are so similar in so many ways. But her emotions, like, make no sense to me. <laughs> we would fight about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, doing her chart compared to mine totally helped me understand, like, why she reacts the way I, she does and why I react the way Aww, I do. That's so cool. Yeah. So, like, I've found ways to apply astrology in, like, my actual life mm-hmm. that are, like, beneficial. Not just, like, for funsies. I'm going to... Yeah. And I think that's something nice to take away from it. It is. So, fire signs and then... Oh, yeah. Fire signs are Aries, Leos, and Sagittariuses. Mm-hmm. The most confusing one is an Aquarius because everyone thinks it's a water sign, but it's not. <laughs> but, yeah. So we're going to do you Earth thought. signs. Earth signs include Tauruses, Virgos, and Capricorns. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, earthy. Like, think of really solid, grounded people. Okay. Um, patient, nurturing. Um, I say somewhat selfless in the sense that they do. It's that kind of nurturing quality. Mm-hmm. They can also be kind of very touchy, feely oriented. And that comes from the fact that the like earth is so like visceral mm-hmm. that it kind of translates into these people. Like they're very oriented around that sense. Mm-hmm. And natural real is not a good way to describe it. <laughs> but like one of the things about earth signs is they don't really have it in them to be fake as okay. much. Like and not like, it has a really negative connotation, but they're very like natural people they Mm -hmm. are organically themselves that's kind of earth earth signs are easy they're exactly what they sound like just think of a tree wherever your (laughs) earth sign friends are um next element air signs Haley's home favorite so gemini's libras and aquariuses aquariuses again are air signs not water signs literally like free people this is the description you get from a lot of the research Mm -hmm. i was viewing like people who can drift with the breeze Just really going to hammer down the airness. Yeah. It's one of the traits of an air sign is like they're considered unconnected to their emotions, but that's like a bad way to think about it. It's more like they're untethered to things in their life or their emotions. It's like the concept of not being tied down by those things. Mm. It's more... It's really hard to pin them down. And that's what I always say about air signs. Like, both when describing them, they're hard to literally pin down. Yeah. And then that's a characteristic as well. Yeah. Isn't that kind of funny? It is. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm emotional all the time. But I would say that I will go through, like, bursts of emotion. And then five minutes later, I'll be like, oh, that was weird. I don't know why that happened. I can just, explain like, that by your passes. moon sign. I'm not even going to tell you. Okay, That'll we'll get to end. it. We'll get to it. <laughs> air signs like just think of it like literally on a breeze these people are very free they're not being bogged down by things they're very talkative light and air signs are basically 
they're really hard for me to comprehend. I'm like, these are abstract concepts. That's what, that's what these are. <laughs> gotcha. And then finally, the water signs, Cancers, Scorpios, and Pisces. They're very they're characterized as the most emotional signs of the entire zodiac. Mm-hmm. Um, often stereotyped by crying like all the time, especially Pisces. They're considered more dreamy. They feel things very deeply, like water. Imagine that. Uh, Deep like the ocean. (laughs) They're very elusive. Um, And then something I really want to, because there are Zodiac stereotypes, and I think that's a lot of like people reject this because they're like, oh, I'm not a crying fish, Pisces, whatever, (laughs) you know? Uh So don't mistake weakness you know, don't mistake crying for a weakness. Mm-hmm. Like, don't assume that, like, just because they're emotional doesn't mean they're pushovers. That's not what this is trying to say. That's mm-hmm. not what it means. And then I like this description, fluid. Mm-hmm. I think that is a very good way of describing water sign people that I've met. They can be more sentimental. Just think more emotional. Mm-hmm. And like on the most basic level, like when we get into this and you're thinking like, oh, how do my planets interact or how -hmm. are my compatibility? How's my compatibility with other people? Compatibility goes along their like physical traits, like water and fire considered opposites Mm -hmm. because we don't mesh. Either water puts out fire or fire evaporates water. Mm -hmm. Same thing with air and earth. It's complete solidarity compared to air Mm -hmm. so what's considered more compatible Mm -hmm. is water and air water and earth fire and earth fire and air oh makes sense yeah Yeah. if that makes more sense to you guys so and that's not like a tell-all it's not like oh i'm gonna shake my fist at every Mm -hmm. capricorn and scorpio (laughs) i see it's just a a way to think about it like think of how the way elements react it's really applicable to like what the planets how they interact Mm -hmm. like my water placements I have a lot of fire in my chart mm-hmm. and my fire literally squashes my one water placement <laughs> down into like submission <laughs> and and that's kind of it like burns it up uh-huh. just kind of like how if that makes sense so just giving you that nice little visual and I found this nice little thing like a really quick rule of hand that astrologers will often use is like if you want to figure out which element affects you most which sign affects you most which house affects you most mm-hmm. you assign the planets all of the ones we discussed points okay and your sun moon and ascendant which can also be called the rising sign okay and ascendant are all two points and then all the other planets mercury venus mars jupiter saturn uranus neptune and pluto are all one point mm-hmm. this is a really quick and dirty way to add up what has the most influence on you like okay. mine is so overwhelmingly fire and then you have like one point that's water and <laughs> yeah all the other points like, yeah so uh, that's um that's a really you can like follow along that way if that it makes it easier for mm-hmm. you to understand i've done this before i'm not even gonna lie okay when i was of course less practiced <laughs> and educated than i am now yeah um <laughs> Haley's just giving me the eyes like no. shut up olivia <laughs> no one cares i think it's cool <laughs> you know so much more than me and i'm excited to learn about it okay so is that clear do you have any based on that any questions about the elements thus far no i i knew i knew that i was an air sign i don't know as much about modalities though so modalities like i said think of a compass because they're they are divided into cardinal fixed and mutable Mm -hmm. and so what are the cardinal directions uh north north uh, west (laughs) southeast i didn't do those in order like are you kidding yeah. <laughs> north 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 east yeah. southwest i was ah. trying to remember it okay it's okay yeah but okay. um so those cardinal directions are mm-hmm. considered the cardinal signs so it basically like if the element tells you the basics of like how your personality is mm-hmm. this is like dividing every single one of those personality traits into three personality types okay so like cardinal like i'm a cardinal sign you're a cardinal sign yes they're 
considered good at initiating, assertive, known as leaders. This can also manifest as being bossy. But like think of cardinal signs. We follow those signs to get places. Okay. And that is exactly how it works with the signs. That's why they are considered leaders. One like criticism of that though is good at starting, not so great at finishing. Okay. That's fair. And that moves you into the fixed signs. So this is when you're going to think of it like northeast, southwest. Those are considered fixed signs because they're not cardinal. Mm -hmm. Like we're not facing north. Yeah. But they are a fixed point on the horizon. Okay. And so that's what a fixed sign is. That's Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. They're considered having staying power, stubborn, patient, enduring. Mm -hmm. Where the cardinal signs are starting things, the fixed signs are the ones finishing them. Don't think of these as exclusive either. Like Mm -hmm. just because you're one thing doesn't mean you can't be another. Yeah. Just because you're stereotyped to this doesn't mean you have to be that way. This is just a generalized version. And then every single point in between on the compass, mutable. So that's Geminis, Virgos, Sagittariuses, and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Um, adaptable, a criticism of adaptable is easily led. Wanderers, followers. I found this really great anecdote. Cardinal signs are the ones who say, like, everybody, let's build this house. Like, I want to build a house. Let's build a house. And they get everybody jazzed up to build a house. Mm -hmm. And then the fig signs come in and they actually build the house. Okay. Like, they have the follow through and they build the house. And Mm -hmm. then the mutable signs come in and they make the house beautiful and they make the house a home. I like that. Yeah. I thought it was, like, a really good way of exemplifying it. And you can use that same point system if you want to see, like, which modality has the most influence on you and there are plenty more energies than justice to analyze in a chart there's like the yin and yang there's luminaries there's orbs we're not going to go over that okay (laughs) it's way above my skill level um i'd rather just like explain content that i have a good grasp of you know you're doing a great job so far (laughs) thank you yeah you're welcome okay So that's like a, that's kind of how the signs work at the most basic level. So even if you get lost, like you don't listen to the rest of our podcast, that's the quick and dirty on it. Okay. You could understand your sun sign based on that. Yeah. The next thing, like I said, is the houses. So the houses are representative of the sun's path through the sky again, and they rule over different aspects of your life. Yes. And I need to underscore this because houses rule over different aspects of your life. So the planets rule over parts of you. Okay. So like a part of my life, personal life, a part of me is my personality. Like, Mm -hmm. do you see the difference? They're definitely not the same. They get confused a lot. They are very much not the same. They're definitely connected, but Mm -hmm. I can see the distinction for sure. Yes, they are connected. So there are, again, 12 houses. And it is, this is where it gets tricky because you confuse the signs for the houses because they're labeled the same. I don't know why 12 was the magic (laughs) number in Babylon, but... Another weird thing about this, too, is the houses and the signs correspond to places on the body. Okay. So as you go down, like, from 1 to 12, Mm -hmm. literally, it's your body. So, like, Aries or the first house rules the head. Okay. And so some people in what's called medical astrology or physical astrology will, like, correlate that with, like, oh, Aries have headaches. (laughs) And I can attest to that. I have, like, chronic migraines. Mm. And my mom's an Aries, and she does my mom's. Mm -hmm. She's an Aries, and she has, like, terrible, terrible headaches, too. And that could be happenstance but yeah just to get your noggin thinking (laughs) maybe that's crazy yeah no and like pisces they like rule the feet Uh it's like it's a bunch of craziness we'll get back on track though the first house rules self-identity appearance image and how you seem to others okay so how you're perceived essentially Mm -hmm. that aspect of your life second house property possessions valuables money 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 (laughs) not just money but yes money your values in life and how you value yourself third house communication Mm -hmm. learning learning when you're young so like early early this can be formal education or like life lessons learned Mm -hmm. this is you what you learned when you were young i learned 
don't fall off a playhouse, you'll break your arm. That could be considered ruled under the third house. (laughs) And so there's also, it also rules over like siblings and neighbors. So those like proximity relationships Mm -hmm. and small short trips, not long trips, short trips. Gotcha. Fourth house rules over the home and family, anything and everything domestic, where you belong and where your past has been. Fifth house is romance, creativity, love of affairs, and children. And the children, not even necessarily your own, like how you think of children, how (laughs) children think of you. So the sixth house, this is the house, it's the house of work. This is like your daily routines, your health and your duties and like the day to day. Mm -hmm. Seventh house is your lovers, your exes, your enemies, and any type of partner. Mm -hmm. But don't think of it in just a romantic sense. It's like any situation where you're going to be cooperating or competing with people. So that's like, that's allies, that's enemies. Eighth house, debt, money, usually considered in a negative sense. Yeah, because there was already one with like work. Yeah. So the second house, valuables and money. But this is like the negative sense, like money, money corrupts or just like the concept of debt yeah debt and so this is also sex death transformation and especially the taboo it is completely everything taboo is related to the the eighth house gotcha and the eighth house is the house of scorpio which is why you'll (laughs) often hear scorpio equated with every weird thing ever yeah and that's where the stereotype comes from is Mm -hmm. because of the eighth house so after the eighth house you have the ninth house this is a house of studying and higher learning um, the existential quests of your life, philosophy, religion, spirituality, and dreams. Literally just like higher learning, the pursuit of what is the meaning of life and mm-hmm. the, every single consideration of that. And that sounds so cliche and pretentious, mm-hmm. but if you've ever met a Sagittarius, just yeah. kidding, I'm not going to make any more stereotypes. <laughs> I'm part Sagittarius. It's okay. okay. Open mind. Open <laughs> mind. Open mind, yes. 10th house is the house of your career, your ambitions, your reputation, and your mark. The mark you make on the world, like the, the spot you carve out for yourself. Then 11th house this is the house of social groups networks friends and hopes and that sounds really broad but when we say networks like business networks church networks literally anything where you're connected to other people like a lot of people yeah gotcha and this is yeah also the house of hopes and this is actually this is what rules over aquarius which is often again it's that it's associated with that archetype of the revolutionary who Mm -hmm. like starts the revolution so like think like to start a revolution you need people and you need to be connected to those people Mm -hmm. and then the 12th house this is represents the most sensitive part of your chart self-destructive tendencies and withdrawal from the world so self-isolation and your fear Yikes. <laughs> I know, I know, Pisces. Pisces, you little guys, you poor things. <laughs> Another way people will often think about this is if you ever heard an Aries characterized as the baby of the zodiac, mm-hmm. it's like this self perpetuating cycle of one through 12. Mm-hmm. Aries represents the beginning where you don't know anything and you're just roaring with ambition into life. And then by the time you get to Pisces, you've been all the way around the world and you've accumulated all of that knowledge and you have to deal with that now mm-hmm. you have to deal with the sensitivity of being one with the world and everything that that means gotcha. it's like ultimate maturity so that you can be reborn into the aries again hmm. interesting i gotta think if i even know any pisces people i don't think i do but... i do oh they haunt my life <laughs> my little brother's a pisces uh-huh. <laughs> it's like aries and pisces the two most uncompatible signs yeah. of the entire zodiac and i'm just surrounded by them that's funny so any questions on the houses no that's really cool that's a part of 
astrology that I've, I've never really gotten into. So I'm really excited to find out my houses. I think that's going to be so cool. It's like so intimidating when you're first trying to do this, like mm-hmm. without any help. I was like, what? They're not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I would just like stop looking because mm-hmm. it'd be like, this is too confusing to look at. Well, then I'm glad I have you as yes. my guide, yes. my sage advisor. <laughs> I am the astrology Socrates right now, laying it down. Hopefully you don't poison me me at the end. You know, I'll try. (laughs) You'll try not to poison me or you will try to poison me? You know, you're going to have to figure it out. (laughs) We'll let you know in the next episode. Anyways, uh, the next thing is, and this is where it gets even trickier, the trickier of the trickiest part. Good. The planets. Okay. And like I said, where the house represents, the houses represent aspects of your life the planets represent parts of you okay and i'm gonna add another layer of this to confuse you later (laughs) but we're just gonna start with this like i said just those basic planets that we already mentioned and so these all rule over different parts of you the sun is considered the basic self your willpower your self-image and your ego like Mm -hmm. you are your sun sign at your core when we strip you down to your skeleton you're Mm -hmm. your sun sign like that's the skeleton of everything else is built around yeah Yeah. not to like overemphasize it's important all of these planets are really important Mm -hmm. don't just think that your sun or your moon matters more okay um and then there's the moon you ever like seen the characterization of the the moon is the mother yes that is very true in astrology the moon it's considered the nurturing planet when you get into yin and yang it's considered a very feminine placement yes so the moon is the inner self your needs emotions like we said nurturing your subconscious and especially where you feel safe okay the moon is your comfort zone and then there's Mercury. Mercury is the planet, or the yeah, the planet of communication and communication in any form. Mm-hmm. So this includes talking and listening. How you listen is a form of communication. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. So that that is definitely how it pertains to writing, presenting, literally anything that you communicate with. It also is how you. It's a very intellectual planet, so okay. it's how you take in and process information. It also rules over your type of humor (laughs) and not like how you express that or what you think is funny, Mm -hmm. but like what type of humor you're going to have. Okay. Then next planet, I'm sure very famous, Venus and Mars. Fun fact, Venus and Mars are actually considered like in opposition almost. Yeah, I can get that. In astrology, like they're not quite partners because they're opposites, Mm -hmm. but like they're they're completely balanced opposites, like very yin and yang. Mm -hmm. So Venus is the planet of love and romance, attraction, but especially what you find beautiful, like your aesthetics and what you find pleasing. That's really what Venus is about. As opposed to Mars, Mars is all about passion and sex, aggression, anger, desire, how you pursue goals. Everywhere that Venus is soft is where Mars is hard. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, Mars rules over Aries. Okay. As if you could ever not guess. <laughs> the planet of war. The planet of war. You. <laughs> I am absolute chaos. <laughs> After that, you have Jupiter. Jupiter represents where you're lucky in your life. Okay. Which is like weird because it's not necessarily it's going to say like, oh, you're always going to be lucky because X, Y, and Z. It's mm-hmm. mostly like a planet in your house of Jupiter will determine how confident you are at some things. And you tend, when you tend to be good at something, mm-hmm. you keep doing it and we just consider it luck. So that's kind of what that means. So your confidence or on the flip side, your arrogance about things. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's also associated with morals. But it, it it's one of those planets that we really look to when we're looking at what helped you grow as a person and what is going to help you grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Because if you're good at something, you're going to keep doing it and that's going to change you. And then after that, you have Saturn. Saturn, it, it gets a bad rep. There's so many astrology stereotypes. It's such a biased community. <laughs> 
Like, it's really bad. And yeah. people get really upset about it, which is understandable. But it's like the planet of hard-learned lessons, mm-hmm. harsh realities, work, discipline, wisdom. And especially where it's placed in a house can determine where you get wisdom from okay so like having it in the seventh house you get wisdom from partners but mm-hmm. i can't emphasize this enough it's like a harsh reality it's the things that we don't want to look at and we don't want to acknowledge it's it's hard learned lessons that's okay. what it is it's the realities that we don't want to deal with and in in that same vein this also deals with what your fears and limitations are mm-hmm that's very much determined by Saturn and it seems very negative right but like how can you grow without ever seeing these harsh realities you can't really understand yourself if you've never faced that Mm -hmm. so next couple planets Uranus rules over creativity freedom independence chaos the future Mm -hmm. another fun fact that I found while I was like researching is so some of the planets move slowly more slowly than others which is why people have planets in common even Mm -hmm. if they're years apart Uranus is one of those slow planets. Yeah, the one that you get farther out there. Mm-hmm. So there's been, and this is like, it's not just the free love movement that like people go back in history and trace the movements of the planets to see what people's common placements were when world events were happening. Mm-hmm. So in the 60s, around that time, like the summer of love and all of the drugs started mm-hmm. becoming a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually when Uranus went from, I think, Virgo to Libra. Okay. And like it, whole generations. And then they tracked it again, like in the 90s. Like mm-hmm. these weirdly historical events that just changed things. Mm-hmm. Like, And when I say creativity and freedom... It's not like creativity, like I'm going to draw. It's like your creativity when you're unfettered by society or other people. This is you coming out of yourself and finding independence to do something, Mm -hmm. which is why it's associated with these movements. I thought that was really interesting. And then the last two, Neptune rules over inspiration, dreams, soulmates, life extremes, idealization, disillusionment. It's also very much associated with drugs and ways that you can you know disillusion yourself okay interesting. but like really this is where this is a planet where we romanticize things so it's not necessarily we talk about venus being a love planet but Mm -hmm. i really think neptune you need to think of as a love planet Mm -hmm. because it's not what you want to see necessarily it is what you want to see you want to romanticize it and idealize it to whatever it's going to be and that's that's neptune and final one everybody give three cheers for pluto it totally counts hooray pluto's like so cute and nasa we're like oh we bully pluto and leave him leave him out yeah okay in astrology it's more insidious well yeah it's the the god of death and whatnot pluto rules over transformate your transformation the mm-hmm. cycle of death and rebirth power destruction and your hidden side to your dark side essentially okay. the cycle of death and rebirth may sound like a weird concept to have within you but mm-hmm. like think about that you're not the same person you were exactly and parts of you do have to die to be change and mm-hmm. be reborn and that gave me a lot of pause before i like thought about it because mm-hmm. i'm like how does that work within me yeah and once you see like oh what house is pluto in maybe you'll see like oh yeah i've totally gone through so many cycles so before we go any further either you might like look at this and the thing is when you like type in your birth chart somewhere they'll probably give you a description of oh this makes you x y and z mm-hmm. and i can't emphasize enough that you have to take this holistically mm-hmm. because the planets this is the metaphor i always use okay when you mix like three different kinds of ice cream if you mix chocolate vanilla and strawberry ice cream do you expect it all just to taste like strawberry no exactly if you have mercury's venus and mars 
all influencing your chart. All these planets influencing your chart. Why would you just look at your sun sign? Gotcha. All of, it's not just like a solid thing. It just doesn't affect one thing in your life. These planets affect each other. And mm -hmm. some of those planets are stronger than the others in your chart. Mm -hmm. It's You really have to take it holistically. And just because it doesn't seem like it works and you can't relate that just might mean it's not as powerful in your chart like how we said there's like more influence by a certain sign or modality or element mm -hmm. just think about it like that not all of them are going to exert the same amount of influence because there's not as many of them yeah no I, I definitely want to learn more than just my sun sign and just like other people because i know my sister she's a virgo sun sign but her entire life everything she's ever read for virgo she's like this isn't me she doesn't really identify with it so i would want her to do a chart too because i think her houses and her plants are probably influencing her actually a lot more than her sun sign is well yeah i mean my mom and i are both aries suns right mm -hmm. i'm in a sagittarius moon my mom is a cancer sun okay what did we just talk about with that like yeah. cancer is super hyper emotional mm -hmm. compared to an aries which mm -hmm. is like a fire sign which is not gotcha. so so that's something but the ultimate confusing layer this is like the weirdest part because you have signs you have a sign in a planet mm -hmm. but then the planets also rule over the signs mm -hmm. so like i said aries is ruled by mars so the reason why you know think about it like it's that it's that very passionate it's mm -hmm. like anger that's how it because it's ruling over aries mm -hmm. taurus is ruled by venus which is you know love and like i said aesthetic mm -hmm. so like venus rules over what you consider beautiful and second house taurus valuables that kind of thing so they're just really into pretty stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's an oversimplification know, all those tauruses out there <laughs> but just keeping this in mind because we just described what those planets are like mm -hmm. so gemini is ruled by mercury communication that's where you get the two-faced thing is because they they want to communicate mm -hmm. they're like this in like i said mercury's intellectual mm -hmm. so that can be why that that's part of the reason why it's stereotyped like that and Cancer's ruled by the moon, very emotional, very nurturing. Leo's ruled by the sun. Leos are portrayed as those really arrogant, full of themselves, center of attention people. Guess what? What do you think the sun has been doing this entire existence? Like, big in bang. The, Everyone ro rotate around me. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Virgo, ruled by Mercury as well. Libra is also ruled by Venus. And then this is where it gets a little bit more dicey because there are modern astrology interpretations. There's historical astrology interpretations. But the common understanding, Scorpio is ruled by Pluto. And Mars? Well, it's ruled by Pluto, but some historical astrology would say it's ruled by Mars. Hmm. And most of what you'll see now is the planets. So it's not just one planet rules over one sign. Often the others have more influence on it. Mm -hmm. So like Scorpio is ruled by Pluto, but it's also considered, I believe it's in it's either exalted or in detriment, not terms you need to know what they mean, okay, I'm like, <laughs> but of Mars. So like oftentimes Scorpios are compared to Aries because mm -hmm. they both have that a lot of that Mars influence, like a secondary influence. Mm. And that's why they always get stereotyped as the dark broody because they're Pluto slash also yeah, maybe Mars. Yeah, anyone who thinks, yeah, <laughs> like you have the dark scary parts from Pluto yeah. combined with the anger from Mars. I, that's why you get stereotyped. But yeah. it just depends on who you ask. And the more you delve into it, I'm sure there's plenty of other opinions. Yeah. Like this is, everyone disagrees. Astrology is definitely not a unified body of literature on everything. Mm -hmm. So you just need to find what works for you. This works for me. 
I like it. <laughs> Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. And Capricorn is really portrayed as one of those signs. It's like really like work hard, super disciplined mm-hmm. and ambition. And like we said, Saturn's that planet of hard truths and mm-hmm. work ethic. Okay. Aquarius is ruled by Uranus slash Saturn. But I tend to very much associate it with Uranus. I think that energy just makes so much more sense than Saturn. Okay. If you've ever met an Aquarius, they're weirdos. That's mm-hmm. the that's the Aquarian stereotype is mm-hmm. they're just like these weird people that no one knows what to do with. And they're way more than that, obviously. But I completely understand the... They are. They're like, they're revolutionaries and mm-hmm. they're change makers and they are very much not constrained by what people think of them. And then finally, Pisces... Pisces is ruled by Neptune. Of course. But then sometimes Jupiter. Yes, mm-hmm. like the planet of dreams and idealizations. Mm-hmm. That's why Pisces is sometimes portrayed so negatively because they just want to be dreamy, idealizing their world. They don't want to live in the real world. And like I said, self-isolation. That's a really big thing that Pisces are known for. Okay. So that's just, you know, another confusing layer <laughs> to add to every single layer. Good. And there's apparently more layers that... Yeah. I, I don't even... Oh, man, there's so many more layers. What <sighs> we're not going to go over today is aspects. I don't understand aspects well enough to explain them to everybody. Okay. I'm not going to, like, mislead you in that way. I'm sure there's plenty of literature for you to read about it. But like I said, the basic understanding is how the planets interact with other planets in your chart. Okay. Like I said, you have to take that holistic view. Mm-hmm. So quick recap. You have signs in the planets, but planets also rule over the signs which dictate their nature. The signs come in four elements, three modalities, and each sign falls into a house, which is an aspect of your life. Okay. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. You with me? I think so, but I'm just going to keep holding your hand while we go through this. No, I want you to ask any questions right now. (laughs) No, I I think I have all of it. It's just, you know, I need to practice it. So let's jump into it. And I think seeing it in my chart and how it applies to my life will definitely help me like comprehend it better because right now it's just a bunch of vague terms exactly it helps me to learn to see in action so and that's like a big criticism too it all seems so vague Uh and like i said confirmation bias so it is kind of vague yeah because it wants to hit as many people as it can but that doesn't make it any less true i mean i've read some astrology stuff that's just it's uncanny Mm -hmm. and i know that i sound like such a cliche when i say it like that (laughs) but there's no other way to say it like it's uncanny how it can describe you to a t especially when you get into like the really in-depth stuff like houses and aspects and Mm -hmm. really really down into it so let's do it yeah If you've been conveniently following along and made yourself a chart by now, Haley and I are going to go over our charts. Well, I'm going to go over Haley and I's chart. Let's be real here. (laughs) And I'm going to just ooh and ah the whole time. (laughs) Haley's talents lie in other Ah, other areas. (laughs) Amazing. So now now we're in the thick of it. Okay. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Let's dive. So... I know my placements because I've been at this for a really long time. But like I said, I'm like a mega fire sign. Mm-hmm. I have a sun in Aries. I have a Mercury in Aries. And I have a Saturn in Aries. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> sun, in, sun in Mercury are obviously really big placements. And then on top of that, I have moon in Sagittarius. So add fire to that fire. <laughs> yeah. So that's my life in general. So where <laughs> does how does that manifest in your life then? So... The first house Mm -hmm. is the house of self, obviously. And it also is where Aries is located. And for like, I actually have like my sun is in the first house. Mm -hmm. My Mars is in the first house. So my Mars is in Taurus. So this is like really weird. So I told you 
Mars rules over Aries, and I have a lot of Aries placements. Yes. Which means, but my Mars is in Taurus. So while the planet Mars has like an, this is how I feel about it, like an Mm -hmm. amplified effect over my personality, Mm -hmm. it actually mellows me out, I think. Hmm. Because like the earthy Taurus that Mm -hmm. is not as like quick to anger as like a normal Aries would be. Mm Mm-hmm. And is more, like, slows themselves down. I think it really, like, slows me down. Not in, like, a bad way. Like, I just think it kind of brings me in. Because Mars has such a big influence over my chart. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I what I always tell people, we're not talking about rising signs right now. Because they're very contentious. Okay. Because some people are like, oh, it's how you appear to other people, blah, blah, blah. But it's not important. I'm just, like, I'm not dealing with it. Mm -hmm. But I've always thought about it as, like, how you're perceived besides your sun sign. So I would always say, like, to people, like, I had an Aries rising, too. So I'd say what you see is what you get. Okay. And that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I I am exactly how I seem. And (laughs) I communicate exactly pretty much what I'm thinking. I mean, my sun and Mercury are in the same sign. Mm -hmm. They're basically working in tandem. If that makes sense. I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, wow. I have a lot of Libra in my. Yeah, you do. But you have an Aries moon. So that's probably why we got along after we met. <laughs> we didn't know anything about each other. We were just like thrown together randomly like, it was for like a work thing. The and, like, first day I met you and we were just like, hey. I know. I was like, who's the strange girl? But And then but, we were like, let's do a podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> Astrology. Dude, I swear. I think fire signs are so attracted to each other. That makes sense. Like, just on every single level. Like, they just vibe mm. really quick. That's probably also why I vibe really hard with my Leo friend then, too. Because she's not for everybody, but I just, I vibe with her and she vibes with me and we get along so well. Well, so. what ends up happening to me all the time mm-hmm. is I'll, like, vibe with people and they'll tell me their sun sign. I'm like, what? Yeah. And then I'll do their whole chart for them because <laughs> like, I wear them the down hell? eventually. That's how friendship <laughs> is. And they literally, they always end up having some placement that mm-hmm. it's like in fire and is so compatible with me mm-hmm. if you want to think about it this way i have an aries sun in the first house so Which means i am an aries my self-identity and appearance and image just, how i seem to other aries. is a giant fire baby <laughs> <laughs> like did you know too like they all have their own symbols and animals and stuff you knew that, right? Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I just think I like to make fun of Libras though because they're inanimate we're just, objects. Uh, we're just scales. They're just scales. So you're they're, like you're like a flaming. Like, I'm like a ra- ram. I'm a ram. You're That's a, what I am. A fiery ram. Just... But like, well, it's not as bad as Capricorn. Capricorn's a goat mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sagittarius is a centaur. Aquarius is a water bearer. So that's like an abstract concept. That's just not a person even, like carrying a jug of water. Yeah. Like, here we go. It's not even a person. Like it's just a water bearer. So your planet, your Aries sun and your house just like really. Yeah. Mesh. Like when I said like what you see is what you get. Like mm-hmm. my first house, my appearance and how I seem and my ego. Mm-hmm. I am an Aries. There's like nothing about that. It's really how it manifests. It's like really obvious to people who are other astrology nerds. Sometimes mm-hmm. people can just know right off the bat. They're like, you're an Aries. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like how I walk around the station and I like guess people's astrology <laughs> signs. Yeah. I haven't been wrong yet except with Brian in my job interview, but I wasn't that wrong. Yeah. I thought he was a Capricorn, but he's just a Virgo. But Virgo does make sense. I know, because he's an earth sign. Anyways. Yeah. So my sun sign Libra is in the seventh house. So that means that is my, let me look up my lovers, my relationships. Yeah. Basically. So that means that I, what does that mean exactly? Well, I can't, really, this is like a personal interpretation, but Mm -hmm. like, I've never seen you like not running around talking to people. 
Hmm. ever that's fair like i feel like so much of your personality is fundamentally being around other people not that you need them or they influence you yeah but like just just think about that for a second no that's and that's another thing that libras it's like a a character trait is Mm -hmm. codependence Mm -hmm. whether that be positive or negative that's kind of how i would interpret it okay it's interesting because i am very introverted at times Mm -hmm. but when i do find people like my people it's set i have my i'm really and i really like everybody here at the station at my other job i'm really really close with all my friends at my other job i traveled with a bunch of people and i love all of them so i guess well like i said cooperation or competition yeah that makes sense i guess yeah i see that yeah and then okay the eighth house it has this connotation it's like this dark death doom Mm -hmm. place and so you have so i have moon in sagittarius sagittarius is archetype slash stereotype world traveler Mm -hmm. the criticism is they're flighty and they're escapists which Mm -hmm. mm, so true (laughs) so true like my emotions are basically i'm like fighter fight or flight and mm-hmm. like physicality i would rather fight someone mm-hmm. fight or flight emotionally i'm already gone before you finish your sentence <laughs> like i'm such a runner which is like so characteristic because mm-hmm. like i said moon is your inner self your emotional needs and mm-hmm. wants oh my god my emotional needs are to run away <laughs> go yeah so sagittarius world traveler intellectuals love philosophy discussion religion okay another like criticism they can be pretentious mm-hmm. so where that manifests it's manifests itself though is in my eighth house and my eighth house is my debt money sex death transformation and the taboo mm-hmm that just constantly means like in in my in my mind mm-hmm. i'm like constantly running from those things okay or it's like this weird fascination with running towards or away from them hmm interesting so like my emotional needs are very much tied to money mm-hmm. sex and death <laughs> oh that would be like that's like a good metal song <laughs> love sex and death no money sex and money death. sex and death my apologies <laughs> that is a good <laughs> yeah and the taboo and i will say that like i am not afraid to discuss the taboo it freaks my mom out because i'll talk about like everything and anything mm-hmm. where you feel safe in mm-hmm. your moon i feel completely safe talking about death i feel completely safe and comfortable because it's your comfort zone mm-hmm. i have no problem talking about those things it just it it doesn't bother me and i really do think it's because i have those placements Mm -hmm. because my mom doesn't and she does nothing like she's an aries but like she cannot handle talking about anything like that Mm -hmm. so that's how it manifests itself for me you have aries in the first for your moon so that means that where i feel comfortable in my emotional state is in aries so where you yeah so in the first house to your your self-identity your appearance image um and how you seem to others that's where we're talking about okay it manifesting and like another thing to keep in mind like if you don't have a planet in a house that doesn't mean like you don't have a personality there (laughs) like that's not what that means at all okay so so if i'm interpreting this right that means that my my moon sign so my inner self my needs my emotions and my safe space are also tied to your identity my self-identity oh yeah yeah <laughs> yes 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 i am all about self-identity like my mixed race heritage my like sexuality uh, all this self-identity stuff is really important to me especially right now i would say heck yes <laughs> that's funny 
your emotional needs may run in the vein of a fire sign. And mm. they do run in the vein of a fire sign, yeah. which I feel like I've definitely noticed because most Libras don't react like this to things. <laughs> so the, oh, I get the so Aries past. are showing up. And like, see, like, like I said, Aries is that planet of passion. Mm-hmm. So you have all this passion in your inner emotional I needs. I do. I very much do. <laughs> yeah. And like, Aries is kind of considered like a daredevil. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, is this true for you? Like, do you consider yourself like more daring emotionally? Mm. You know, I'd have to think about that. I don't know. Maybe sometimes. I don't know. Emotion- emotionally. I can't think of like a specific example. Well, but, you don't need a specific example. Yeah. I don't want to get personal on here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, I can be daring sometimes. Not all of the time, which may be like my Libra and my Aries kind yeah. of canceling each other out. Exactly. Yeah, Yay, you get it. But, like, another thing is, too, is, like, Aries is, like, associated with this, like, moodiness, like, mm-hmm. going from 100% angry to 0%. It's, it's like, tumultuous emotion mm-hmm. because they're considered children yeah. who can't process that because <laughs> they don't have the maturity, whether mm-hmm. that be good or bad, because it's just they don't have any experience with the world. So, like, if you can think about that in relation to your emotions. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. No, I get that. All right. So then Mercury. Yeah. This... Uh, uh, whenever I have a 12th house placement, I just cringe. There's nothing wrong with 12th mm-hmm. house, pla- like 12th house placements. Mm-hmm. They You've just, got a couple in but, there. Exactly. But can't you see why it mm-hmm. seems like so not harmonious to me now mm-hmm. with all this fire in my chart? So I have Mercury and Aries and we just talked about the 12th house represents the most sensitive part of your chart. Mm-hmm. Why would you have the most insensitive sign <laughs> in the most sensitive part of your chart? Like... I'm basically a, a hard shell with goo on the inside. <laughs> the stars were just like, this is going to be an interesting, interesting person. I know. It's person. like, what are the worst things we can do to this girl? <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's been a social experiment ever since. Good. I'm glad you're figuring it out. <laughs> I'm glad this has helped. So it, that's where my communication represents the most sensitive part of me, which is true. I, I'm very good at communicating mm-hmm. like emotions and those my squishy parts. Mm-hmm. Is that not what you call them? No. <laughs> my dad says he has one emotion and it's in his toe. So when he stubs his toe, he says, oh, I hurt my emotion. <laughs> my and emotions. I don't have a toe emotion, but I have squishy parts. <laughs> my squishy, squishy <laughs> But yeah, like withdrawal from the world, your fears. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's you. That's me. So communicating, I can communicate well with mm-hmm. my most sensitive bits, but I can also, and I have very self-destructive tendencies. I can gotcha. tell you that right now. <laughs> but withdraw from the world and what you're afraid of. So I, it just doesn't, it's really hard for me because like I said, again, Neptune rules that, that house and that planet. Mm-hmm. It's that like concept of disillusionment. And it's like wherever Neptune is in your chart is where you're going to be disillusioned, wherever that influence is. Mm-hmm. So like obviously, like listen to me right now, I can't even accept my own placement because <laughs> I am disillusioned about it. Mm-hmm. Neptune is always freaking interfering. Wait, where does Neptune come in here? Neptune's toward the bottom. Oh, okay. But like gotcha. Neptune rules over that house and that planet and Pisces. Mhm. So my Mercury is in Libra again or my yeah my mercury's libra and it's in the seventh house yeah what would you interpret that as well we have this communication and intellectual planet right Mm -hmm. and we're talking about a house that is all about connections Mm -hmm. like communication and cooperation um and then the seventh house is about like relationships yeah it's about relationships so would be good i don't know how would you interpret that i would say it's good i'm really good in relationships in general, I think I 
in my whole life, I've really only gotten into fights with maybe two friends. Do you have like great interpersonal skills? I do. <laughs> I'm good at it. I'm really good Here's at the proof. Yeah. Here's the proof. I'm good at mediating like when other people have disagreements. I'm Cooperation. good. Yeah. I'm good at helping or just like talking to both of them or helping both of them see each other's sides. Like I said, I, I, I don't do conflict. And I think that's a really big thing in like my son Libra sign. Like Libras are so known for like not passivity. Doing... Yeah. But it's it's more of just like I don't let like I just like don't hold on to things I guess or just like I don't if someone's has a problem with me like I don't let it bother me too much remember what I just said about Aries and emotions yeah zero to a hundred and a hundred to zero that's true yeah it it, it will bother me for like a little bit but it passes real quick I try so hard to hold grudges and I just can't I know me either I'm just like I want to be so angry at you but then like five seconds later I like can't yeah I'm like let's go watch Harry Potter I know me either (laughs) the only time that if if people do make me angry enough that I hold a grudge I just cut them out of my life I do the same thing I like it so it's not even a grudge anymore it's just like you're gone and I don't think about you that is literally such an Aries (laughs) thing to do I'm not I'm not belittling us our um ourselves us yeah think about it like that's kind of how kids react right yeah they get one taste of something bad and just like, they never no. want it ever again yeah and like that's a very Aries reaction yeah. I do that all the time yeah. either either you make me mad and I forgive you right away or you make me mad and I never talk to you again I know <laughs> it's like being the ultimate savage all the time yeah. just like snip snip you out <laughs> Bye. I am relating to you so hard right now yeah, I can't bad. so that's funny so so yeah, Mercury and Libra, that makes sense. I am really good with relationships. And if I'm not, like, I just, I don't focus on it and I don't deal with it. Yeah. In a good way, I think. Sometimes it's in a bad way, which is fair. But I think my passivity and my trying to be peaceful at all times. My, okay, my biggest beef with Libras. <laughs> my biggest yeah, beef. Yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> yeah, it's the passive aggressiveness. I've never met a Libra who has not, like, screwed me over via passive aggressive means Mm -hmm. and i know it's like unfair to characterize everyone yes Mm -hmm. i know but also i see the evidence (laughs) i see the evidence yeah and i don't know if it's so much passive aggressiveness it's just like the fact that i don't want to get into it well exactly because libra the scales you Mm -hmm. guys want justice and you want peace you want equilibrium and that you don't want to engage in conflict if you're looking for equilibrium and i know that I, I don't want to get into it because I know I'm going to get over it so fast. So, like, why make a make it a big deal when I know I'm going to move on in, like, a day? That's, like, the most Libra thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to float away <laughs> and let it figure itself out because I know it does. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. All right, Venus. Venus, everyone. The planet of love. And your love is Pisces. Oh, oh I know. In the 12th house, honey. No, for real. I struggle with this so much. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's that planet of disillusionment because pisces ruled by neptune Mm -hmm. i have okay you guys can't see our screens i have a i have a pisces venus in the 12th house like double whammy Mm -hmm. so that planet of like self-destruction isolation dreaminess (laughs) is combined with the placement that is ruled by idealism and romanticism and disillusionment you're just 
having a hard time, aren't you? It just really doesn't make sense because I have this super straightforward personality because I'm fire. Like, I can't help but be anything but what I am. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no hiding fire. Yeah. Like, literally, <laughs> there's a reason why the phrase is where there's smoke, there's fire. You can't hide it. Mm-hmm. So, it's like with this Pisces placement, I... I'm not unemotional, obviously. Mm. Nobody's, like, unemotional in, like, this context. My emotions don't manifest the way water signs do. It's not that I don't feel things deeply. I just feel them differently. And Mm -hmm. having this placement, ruling over... And this is, like, seriously probably one of the most underdeveloped aspects of my life is my romantic life. Mm -hmm. Because I just can't deal like i can't <laughs> reconcile who i am with what i think i want mm-hmm. what i want in a romantic partner it's like so difficult for me and it's like once i read this i was like oh my gosh that makes so much sense i think i'm completely disillusioned about what i want in mm-hmm. another person i think i don't know how to process those emotions because it goes so counter to who i am as a person mm-hmm. like it just feels so out of place and it literally feels like disharmonious like it's that one piano key mm-hmm. that is not in tune and that's how this placement makes me feel whenever i think about it i honestly get so mad <laughs> i'm just it's like, like that's such an you. aries reaction to like <laughs> having an emotion at, i get a, mad at the stars i get mad at my placements <laughs> but you have uh venus and libra which Libra is already known for being like kind of a romantic house. Well, it's it's Venusian. Yeah, it's, it's ruled, it's by, ruled Venus. by Venus, so it just fits, I guess. And then it's in the eighth house, which rules over debt, money, sex, death, and the taboo. Huh, that's interesting. Hmm. How do you think that applies to your romantic life, or even like things you find beautiful and pleasing? Mm, I'm not quite sure i don't know if it's like things i want to get into on a like yeah maybe <laughs> might not be fcc approved maybe not but i don't know i guess i do see beauty in weird things in different things i do see beauty like literally everywhere in the taboo in the taboo yeah probably i mean we could throw out that i am bisexual and that you know in some places can be considered taboo like thinking the same sex is attractive so maybe that's something i don't know that's interesting Hmm. yeah i'll have to think about that the eighth house always just i don't know how to react to it Mm -hmm. it's just like such a it's such a hard thing to try and like rationalize with who you are Getting into Mars, as I already kind of touched on, I have a Mars in Taurus mm-hmm. in its native house, in the first house. So, yes, Mars has a lot of influence over my personality. But like I said, I really do feel like having a Taurus Mars mellows me out. That's cool. And like I said, it's all about passion. So, mm-hmm. like, Taurus, Earth signs are known for being patient, mm-hmm. but only to a point. Mm-hmm. At a point where they just explode with anger. That's definitely how my anger comes out. Mm-hmm. I really relate to it. Like, I really relate to a lot of... I feel like it has a lot of influence over me. And I feel very much connected to, like, my Taurus Mars mm-hmm. and what it, what the power it has in my chart. That's cool. And it is in your first house, so it's it very is Exactly. So it's prevalent. very much a part of my self-identity. I like that. I didn't even realize, oh, the student becomes the master. (laughs) Hey, I learn. I'm a fast learner. Always have been. But you have Scorpio in the eighth Mars. That is funny to me. I think that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Well, Scorpio, again, in its native house. Mm -hmm. I don't quite, like I said, do you remember how I said like often Scorpio and Aries are compared Mm -hmm. like scorpio is somehow like the watery aries or something Mm -hmm. i just like think of that in that context like it's rolled back anger running so so deep Mm -hmm. and that's all i have to say it's a difficult placement i think it's interesting and then it's also in my eighth house that makes 
I think a lot of sense to it me. could mean too that like through your anger you do have transformation because that's another thing that we're not underscoring about the eighth house it is the it's the it's the house of change and transformation maybe not through the most funsies means hmm. but okay okay I can understand that I think this also um relates to some relationships that I have with some people yeah um Scorpio Mars sort of thing Hmm. Scorpios, another bane of my existence. They are, really, but I think this makes sense in how I relate to the Scorpios in my life. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't know if I want to get into that, but it does. It's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So, Jupiter, this is the lucky the lucky planet. Okay. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I don't have a great interpretation of how this manifests for me because... Mm-hmm. I don't know how a dreamy person who's literally so stuck in their own dreams they can't even see their own feet is lucky Mm -hmm. because I have Jupiter and Pisces in the 12th house. So again, it's like native placement. I I don't really have a feel for, I don't personally know how to interpret that, Mm -hmm. which is like nice. It's something to think about. So you're lucky, but in the sense of transformation. No, no, no. We're in the 12th house. Okay. 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 So like, the 12th house, super sensitive, your your past, deep, dark secrets, your hmm. self-destruction, fear. Yeah, that's a how, hard thing to exactly. understand. So, like, how do you get luck in that, in that sense? Hmm. I personally can't figure out a way that I'm relating to that in my own life. Maybe you will in the future, but yeah. That's, yeah, that if I'm relating difficult. to it in the future, that's probably not by a good means. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, no. But Haley has a... Oh, what do you have? You have a Sagittarius. Oh, she has a native placement too. So she has um, Sagittarius in the ninth. So Jupiter actually rules over Sagittarius. It's considered the lucky sign. That's interesting. That's like the second time that that's happened in my chart where I have planets in their native sign. Yeah. And like the thing is too is like, like I said, Sagittarius are criticized as being kind of like escapists Mm -hmm. who run away and just kind of leave like destruction in their path Mm because they're a fire sign. But a reason why they get away with it is because they're ruled by Jupiter and they just seem to have this inherent luck mm-hmm. that follows them around. Okay. And then in the ninth house, which means... It's in the Sagittarian house. And that's the house that's over uh, existential quest plus. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, I think. So this is... So I have luck in matters concerning like existential quests, religion, spirituality higher learning okay yeah because i i recently within the last year have made new moves in like spirituality and religion and i i think it's going pretty well at least for my life so that's cool jupiter doesn't necessarily determine your luck it just gives you the confidence to follow what feels right okay which is how i like to think about it Mm -hmm. so that's like a really fortunate fortunate thing (laughs) thanks (laughs) uh and then this guy Saturn. saturn hard knocks I have Aries Saturn in the first. So literally just think if you want to like understand my life a little bit, think of every childhood humiliation you've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. That's what having Saturn in the first is your entire life. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's made (laughs) me stronger. Good. I'm glad that you can see it that way. But yeah, like my self-identity really is because like that first house Mm self-identity Aries, this like fiery chaos sheep. (laughs) <laughs> it's just rampaging through my life all the time. 
while um, Saturn is like, you can't do that. There are consequences <laughs> for your actions. So whereas I have a Sagittarius moon and Sagittarius is running around, no consequences. Mm-hmm. I might be running, <laughs> but it all catches up with me in the form of Saturn taking karmic vengeance. <laughs> Oh, no. that's kind of how i feel about it okay but also it saturn were like rules over discipline mm-hmm. and sometimes like the arian determination in me mm-hmm. like that ram yeah. i have like the best discipline in the world that's good but when i don't care it's gone it's gone <laughs> and it totally comes back to bite me in the butt mm-hmm. and i just feel like that's saturn i've read a lot too that this is a really difficult placement to have mm-hmm it usually means that you grew up really fast when you were a kid. All the lessons you had to learn. And I that is very, very true for my life. Mm-hmm. I've been like an adult since age seven. <laughs> I can see that. I it's, can see you just like being the way you are now. But like yeah, as a small child. Yeah, pretty much. It bothers my roommate so much. I'm like, I'm an 80-year-old man. She's like, I feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, I feel that way too. I've always been told that like I'm an older soul. And that makes sense because my Saturn is in the first house too. So it's very, I guess, would be linked to my identity and who I am see myself as but yeah. i've always been told and i've always felt that i am more mature or just older than i even am but then this pisces thing so that means that so you've had hard lessons in terms of your self-identity mm-hmm. yeah but those lessons that. really could they could be about what pisces is about which so, is what again <laughs> that's like pisces are so hard to nail down this could mean this could just be one interpretation like you remember how i said water signs are fluid Mm -hmm. and mutable signs they are they can be easily led or easily changed okay which is kind of an opposition because you have a lot of cardinal in your chart yeah but this could mean like in this house of saturn where there's like hard lessons Mm -hmm. could be like hard lessons coming from when you were easily led or Mm -hmm. when you were kind of not your own person yeah is that really true yeah yeah it is you're making me feel so smart you are so smart this is like because i I definitely used to be more of the libra stereotype and mm-hmm. the fact that i was just like easily pushed around i never said no to anyone like because i didn't want to cause conflict i just like let people do what they want but as i've grown up it's definitely become more of like me learning how to put my foot down still in like a non-conflict like conflict making (laughs) way but just more like living life for myself so yes yes to all of that (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad yeah (laughs) see this is literally we're real time Mm -hmm. real time proving astrology i love it okay uh next placement uranus uranus oh aquarius placements i do have an aquarius uranus it's like another weird placement where it's like in its native house. Mm-hmm. So like I have an Aquarius Uranus in the 11th house. Mm-hmm. 11th house is where you Aquarius is from and it guards over that. Okay. And so when we're talking about Uranus, mm-hmm. creativity, freedom and independence, I would say that although I may not be that creative, mm-hmm. Uh, I am incredibly independent and I used to attribute it very much to having an Aries sun sign and having like an Aries, so much Aries influence in my chart because it's like, you know, they're portrayed as little kids who just Mm want to run around and do whatever they Mm -hmm. want without anyone telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. But I really attribute it to this placement because 
I could not care less about what most people think of me or society thinks of me. And I think it's because this is it's in its native placement. Mm -hmm. This is where it's strongest. And I feel like that's why I really relate to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's in the 11th house, which represents social groups, networks, friends and hopes. So would you say that? Wait, what? I was talking about Uranus. Yeah, but your Uranus is Aquarius in the 11th house. Yeah. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. In the 11th house. I'm trying to like figure out no, how I to No, I know. Read I'm these. trying to look at my notes. My no- social groups, networks, and hopes. Yeah. You know, remember what I kept saying about revolution? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know quite how to relate that. Mm-hmm. I've definitely been portrayed as a leader since like forever, mm-hmm. whether that be good or bad. Mm-hmm. I've always been the leader of my social groups, Okay. whether or not I like it. Okay. And my friends and networks. I mean, I'm working at a college radio station. Yeah. I consider that to be a very, I don't care what anyone thinks, I'm going to work here. Yeah. So basically. I'm doing an astrology podcast. <laughs> True. So basically you've just like found networks where you're, I don't care about what anybody thinks. I think a better way to maybe explain it, mm-hmm. what I keep forgetting to say, 11th house is the house of hopes. Mm-hmm. The house of hopes. Gotcha. My hopes and ambitions are very much uninfluenced by what other people think. There you go. Never want the traditional things that everybody else tells me I should want. Mm-hmm. That's never been... I mean, I've never even questioned it. It's like this absolute confidence mm-hmm. in that. That makes sense. And then you, Capricorn, in the 11th. Yeah. So what would... So, again, the Uranus is creativity, freedom, and then this relates to my social groups, networks, friends, and hopes um but capricorn capricorn's ruled by saturn they're okay. this they're like this really hard-working diligent almost sometimes for shade is like working stiffs you know huh like they'd rather like be workaholics than if this is the stereotyping mm-hmm. but like they they are cardinal so think about this like being a leader mm-hmm. when it comes to this really diligent work ethic mm-hmm. when it comes to your social groups or hopes and dreams Hmm. But being completely independent in your thinking. And okay. Free. Yeah, I guess. It's like a, this is where we're getting way more abstract. Yeah. This is where you kind of it's open to a lot of interpretation. I mean, all of it's into, open to interpretation, but yeah. especially these parts because they we go from like vague to ridiculously Even vague. The most vague. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I could see that. More recently, I've been more dedicated to you know going after what i want i think that just came with time and being more confident in myself but yeah i can understand that in that sort of sense we're test we're definitely at the like very brimming limits Mm -hmm. of my expertise right now (laughs) that's fine so the final planet definitely not least of all pluto wait we skipped neptune did we? Yeah, we were just on Uranus. Well, Uranus and Neptune, we both pretty much have the same place. That's true. <laughs> oh, and it's like kind of the same two inspiration dreams. Yeah, that except makes sense. Neptune again disillusionment. That's Interesting. what. Ne- so, um, I have an Aquarius Neptune in the tenth. She has a Capricorn Neptune in the eleventh. So tenth house for you. Tenth house is. My career, ambitions, reputation, and your mark on the world. I have a terrible reputation amongst most people. <laughs> and if you think of Aquarius... Actually, no, this is like a perfect example. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I literally just said, I think I have a terrible ex- like reputation. Mm-hmm. Did I not just talk about disillusionment? Yeah. Like, I'm completely... I don't think I'm ever going to get a good career. I don't hmm. think my ambitions are valid. I don't think I have a good reputation. I don't think I'm making a positive mark on the oh, world. No. no, but like, that's just me. I and know. 
you have this like very independent Aquarius sign who's like determined what they're gonna think Mm -hmm. about this aspect of your life Mm -hmm. I don't know I my life is so hard I know it seems like it I'm sorry. Just we'll start a PayPal after this, a GoFundMe. <laughs> Olivia's help me. life is hard. Someone please come up with a solution and pay for it. Astrology proved it. <laughs> Astrology validated my issues. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then the last planet, Pluto. Wait, what about yours? You don't want to talk oh, about it? Capric- well, I mean, it, it's kind of the same placement as the first one. And I guess, like I just said, I coming to college and coming to this radio station, I feel like I've really found a path that I am really interested in and really excited about so i i feel like everything is going really well right now and maybe i'll hit that point where because sometimes when i feel like things are going really well in my life i'm just like kind of waiting for like the shoe to drop well it's better than me i'm like self-sabotage (laughs) self-sabotage me i'm just like when things are going well i don't i think it's a fluke it can't like something's up like there's some like cosmic practical joke that's all gonna like blow up in my face at any given moment so I'm always just poised waiting for things to break but right now I'm in my good spot but there's always this part of the back of my mind where I'm like things are gonna go wrong I know they are (laughs) (laughs) so that's interesting that that's in Neptune yeah well ideals and disillusionment Pluto in Sagittarius in the eighth house mm-hmm. is if we need to make it more confusing. So <laughs> Pluto, the planet of transformation, the cycle of rebirth and death, sex. Then you have that in the house of death, debt, money, <laughs> taboo, bad money, the taboo mm-hmm. with a Sagittarius. So you're just like doubling down. all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's like all of the like terrible things about life. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on what you think is terrible, but yeah. like. I don't even honestly know how to I just feel like maybe the grittier parts of life yeah I don't know like am I just like literally running through all these topics without a care in the world Mm -hmm. setting them on fire with the Sagittarius Mm -hmm. am I harboring some kind of like innate fascination I mean I can't tell you that Mm I have I don't have that much depth yeah like I can't tell you it's like a hard place to see where it manifests and like of course why the heck you would I talk about my dark side on the radio yeah I don't even think I talk about my dark side in my inner monologue like (laughs) so i uh, you're kind of the opposite though i mean i can see pluto and scorpio there it is in like its native house dang that's like no the native house is the eighth you have it in the ninth which is the sagittarian house oh well i mean it's in the native planet Sorry, yeah right, scorpio there we go that's what i meant so uh, that's like the third time that's happened but i can see so pluto is yeah transformation and then ninth house is Again, study, higher learning, existential. Hmm, that's interesting. I guess I would see that in the transformation, rebirthing, because like I mentioned earlier, I, within the past year, kind of changed my spiritual and religious path. And so it's a new beginning, a rebirth kind of. Maybe are you like finding like that that cycle of rebirth and transformation? Like, are you finding that when you're looking into the like death and the taboo? and sex Mm, i don't i can't really think of it i don't i don't think so but i would have to think about that more but hmm interesting 
I just know like your religion would definitely be considered taboo. Oh, oh, yeah, that is true. Actually, I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't know if that was okay or not. No, no, you're right. I just, I guess, I forgot that that is taboo because it's something it that is. I'm it's, so interested in. We're, I like it so in much. terms of our cultural standards. Heck mm-hmm. yes. It, yeah, you're. you're and you just right. talked about how you found that like so rebirth and transformation heck yes into something taboo you're right uh, heck yes son chick you're right <laughs> i am self-identifying as a a practicer of the wiccan religion me and my sister recently it's coming up on our one-year anniversary in october of um kind of converting to it and i guess i do sometimes forget that it's taboo i don't know why it's when i'm away from my family that i forget well <laughs> <laughs> <LOL>. sorry mom <laughs> but that's yeah no you're totally right that's interesting man so cool (laughs) it all makes sense well do you have any questions that i can answer right now um not right now i just i'm just processing all of it i think it's all so fascinating and it really explains a lot about my life and i would like to learn more about it like i've i've heard a lot about rising and maybe i'll i'll research into rising stuff next because i've always heard about that yeah no this makes a lot of sense yeah Hey, I hope everybody got something out of this. Yeah, it was really a lot of fun. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope everyone who's interested does their own chart and finds out a little more about themselves because this opened my eyes to a lot of things. If you have comments, we have a Facebook page. We we do. We We are 90.5 KCSU on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Same thing on Twitter. Yeah. If you have comments, tweet us with the social medias. With the medias. (laughs) With the medias. Thank you for listening to the first episode of The Witching Hour. I would like to thank my co-host, Olivia Barber, and her extensive astrological knowledge. I would like to thank the KCSU production team, Abe Martin and Joe Wood, for their help. My name is Haley Justino, and I engineered the audio for this podcast as well as produced it. Keep an eye out for our next episode, which will be coming out sometime in October, hopefully around the full moon, and will be about divination. If you would like to hear more podcasts from KCSU, you can find them at kcsufm.com. Until next witching hour, stay spooky.